Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. Thank you so much for watching us today or listening to us. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined here in the wonderful state of South Dakota with my good friend Joseph Lassiter. Hello. We're also joined by my brother Jacob Johnson in Pennsylvania. Hello. So we've got everybody here, gang's all here, and uh, we're very excited. We've got a bit of an interesting show to do today, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. We're shaking things up a little bit. But before I talk about that, don't forget, go to trdshow.net. That is our uh, website for our show, and that's where you can find a list of links to all of the various platforms that don't censor us. We are on a lot of places where you can get con access to all of our content and not just, you know, the stuff that YouTube wants you to see, which, by the way, is censored content. So go to trdshow.net. Get our content on Rumble, on Gab TV, on Odyssey. Go to gab.com slash TRD show. Again, gab.com slash TRD show. That's our Gab page. Follow us on Getter, G-E-T-T-R. All of those links are on our website, trdshow.net. Check it out today. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. We really want to hear you uh, sending us some ideas, some uh, questions, some things that uh, maybe we provoked some new thoughts in your head about uh, from our episode, and we want to hear those thoughts. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. So today, I said it was going to be a little bit different. It's obviously Current Events Monday, so we're talking about current events, but um, Jacob felt... Uh, I don't know, just like an overwhelming uh, overabundance of thought and uh, inspiration this week. And so he put together just a ton of research on a particular topic. And uh, he sent me a message a couple days ago and was like, hey, I'm thinking uh, we may not have time for a lot of other current events. I've put a lot of work into this. And so we've gone over his notes and there's some awesome stuff there. So we've all kind of collectively decided that, uh, yeah, that's it's going to be the Jake show. So um, <laughs> so Joe and I will be here uh, kind of supporting um, and trying to probe and get some extra information, ask him some questions. But ultimately, Jake is going to be walking us through some very interesting, uh, a very interesting topic from a lot of different perspectives today. So very excited for that. Um, but before we get to that, um, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And our verse this week is Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. And it says, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And again, that's Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. So this one is pretty easy to figure out why we picked this verse. I mean, thrones, dominions, authorities were all created just not just through him but also for him. And, you know, on our Wednesday episode, we're going to talk a lot more about delegated authority. And what does it mean when we talk about Romans 13, where all authority comes from God and there is no authority apart from God? This verse in Colossians, Colossians 1.16, speaks directly to this. You know, all things were created through him. So they, they got their authority from him. And they're also created for him. So what is the purpose of our existing, which we talked about last week when we actually went through uh, the first commandment, right? Breaking that down, the first commandment in real life, which if you missed that, that's our Friday episode. Go back and check that out. It's a really good episode. We broke all of that down. But that was our verse last week was talking about why do we exist? What is the chief end of man, as the Westminster Shorter Catechism says? And it is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so 
right here, all things were created through him and for him, for his glorification, to glorify him. So for by him, all things were created. And by the way, this is talking about Christ. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, and all things were created through him and for him. So another part of this is dominions, authorities, if dominion has been given to you, authority has been given to you by, um, let's say, a greater magistrate, which we're going to be talking about on Wednesday when we talk about this book, which if you're watching us, you can actually see what this book is. If you don't know what the book is, go to our Gab page, gab.com slash show, and we have the book on our Gab page, so you can get your own copy of it before Wednesday, which I would highly recommend doing. Um, but delegated authority, if you are a lesser magistrate beneath someone else, that someone else gets to tell you how to rule, right? Ultimately, all magistrates, all governments, whether it's individual government, family government, church government, or civil government, are all equal, equal powers, but ultimately under Christ. And this verse backs that up really well. All right. Um, before I move on, any thoughts from you guys on uh, on that verse that you'd that you'd like to add? Nope. Okay. No. All right, cool. Well, you know, with that, I'm just, I'm going to pass it on over to Jake and uh, I can't wait to hear what you've got, dude. Take it away. Well, alrighty. Starting out, I want to um, make known to everybody that this month, the month of June, is LGBTQ plus month or, or pride month. Wow. So I... That's, that's according to them. I say... This should be Christian marriage month. What do you guys say? Yeah. Can we all get yeah. that started? <laughs> Biblical marriage month. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Create a, create a post for that. Yeah. And then, um, so, and so I want to take time to talk about and discuss hmm. this topic of LGBTQ and, um, a lot of questions arise when it comes to the Supreme court and whether or not a business can deny service for LGBTQ customers. Mm, um, wow, great topic. Yeah, and and when you come to this, multiple people are asking questions about this as like, okay, let me just set out as, as to show you the, the disparity here. And in a case, in a Supreme Court case, it went seven to two deciding for a baker who was saying that it was his religious freedom to refuse service to an LGBTQ plus couple. Yeah. And and it, it decided for the baker, oh, seven four. to two. Oh, good. I heard seven to two yeah. and I thought that was against. Wow, that's fantastic. No, that was four. That was four. That's great. But then there was another Supreme Court case that went against a florist who wouldn't sell to... Um, an LGBTQ couple, mm. and it went against the florist. Wow! And for the the LGBTQ. So and, I know and, historically we've talked about precedents, and um, seems like in this case, strangely, precedents didn't uh, didn't carry over. Did do you want to speak to that at all? It was okay. So it was more so the facts of the of each decision, mm. and. And this is what I wanted to go into to sort of alleviate some of that questioning as to why. But I want to also bring up that it, even though this sort of makes sense, it's still totally 
I don't think correct. And mm. and so it it comes down to the two services. Now, what happened in the facts of the case of with the florist is that these this LGBTQ couple comes into the florist shop. There, this person is trying to buy flowers mm-hmm. to use at their wedding. Or no, 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 not to use at their wedding. Sorry, that's the baker. But <laughs> um, wanting to buy flowers. And the the owner denied service. Mm. How the how the how the person knew that this that the LGBTQ couple was LGBTQ because it w- it was just one person who went in. Interesting. But I don't know exactly know. But what happens is that when it when it's a service, like if the person's coming into a a shop or a grocery store, or a restaurant, it seems to be that that is... You can't deny service then, but you can deny service when it comes to an actual ceremony for a for a wedding. Oh, now that's interesting. So let, let me see if I'm getting this straight. So um, let's take the two examples, right? So we've got cake and we've got flowers. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think I'm hearing is flowers is like a store where you go into like a grocery store and you pick up something, you exchange cash and you get a product for it and you take and walk, mm-hmm. walk out with it. Right. Um, but the cake was kind of a custom situation where they were maybe um, they needed it custom built. So it was being built specifically for them. And maybe that's where the difference yeah. is, is that it was specific to this couple specific to these people and the flowers maybe weren't. Yes. And that's, that is close. But I also think that it was also, if it were that the florist was making arrangements for the wedding itself, Mm. then it would be considered, it would, that person would be able to deny it. Same place. Okay. So it's, it's, and and that's that's a speculation, right? And <laughs> learn coming from all these different cases that have happened most recently. One of one of the most recent ones was a web web designer mm. who refused service. Now I didn't exactly look into how that one went, and I, I actually I think it's still pending and it's still going through. Wow! But um, well, that bodes well for my future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I think it's that. If you're providing a service for a ceremony, right, and you're going in and setting up, like, this cake was for the actual wedding service itself. It was for the actual ceremony. Um, But the flowers in the florist shop, the people were coming in, exchanging money for the product, and leaving. Hmm. And, And so I think, again, not necessarily that I agree with that. I I think it's, I think, but that's, I think, how it's going. And going with this, I, my whole train of thought went down even. Down um, the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, down the rabbit hole. And, and I was, we were, and I was thinking of how this used to be, mm. right? In, in the past, the LGBTQ community was seen as something to be, ashamed of um mm. these people were or or something that was shameful but 
that that changed, mm. right? And and even even after LGBTQ marriage and all those other things with non not discriminating and all that, even when that became legal, when LGBTQ marriage was considered legal, there still was this culture that saw it as something to be ashamed of or something that's shameful because mm. and going further that it didn't really change until we saw this idea of pride the pride month and yeah uh pride this pride that you know it, <laughs> that's you know that's hilarious to me is that people weren't proud of it so then a whole different group of people who i would call the agitators had to start a movement called pride to make them proud of it like <laughs> like, right, right. like, <clears throat> like <clears throat> those passages excuse me something in my throat <clears> throat> Those passages that talk about they they know this they knew the truth but they suppress it in unrighteousness right um, it's almost as if we hadn't quite reached the Romans one level of of uh, self delusion where your your mind is so fogged by sin that you you don't even realize it right your your conscience has been so dulled that you you don't even feel a prick anymore they hadn't quite reached that point but the other side needed them to in order to get to what you're about to talk about, I assume. And so they push for that. That's, that's really, really interesting observation that I, I hadn't considered until now. Yeah. And, and what, what I'm talking about and what I'm trying to go into is that the culture, the, the culture that you find yourself in matters. Mm. And it's not that we can, that culture and Christianity are two separate things, mm. right? They will affect each other, and and uh, and specifically, talking about how if the church is not impacting culture, then the culture will be impacting the church, mm. yeah. right? And and we see multiple examples of that in our in our current culture that we're in. We find it in LGBTQ. Plus, how they are getting so involved in church uh, matters. There were multiple articles that I have seen of where they keep having these pride services and wow. drag queen thing event going on inside of a church. Wow. But but also we see this happening in other areas, and, and that would be CRT. Multiple times there's the CRT, the Black Lives Matter is infiltrating the church hmm. and, and and another thing talking about romanticism that that is filtered all through the church now wow and and what does that break that down for viewers who don't know so romanticism came after the enlightenment era hmm. so you you have these separate eras and the enlightenment era was the age of reason right that we that reason could be used to understand everything right we need to trust our own reason <laughs> and in with that came things like the french revolution mm -hmm. so people of that time were like oh this is where reason leads us yeah so then instead of let's stop trusting reason let's let's start trusting our feelings and our <laughs> heart wow and and the pendulum all pendulum swing the complete opposite direction yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and we see this filtered throughout the church today as well. That that we we have to feel Jesus. 
Yeah. Right? We have this Pentecostal. We have this mm. whole, like, our emotions are yeah. what define whether or not we're a Christian or not. Yep. And, but again, that's that's another example of the culture infecting the church. Hmm. So, the the whole thing is, if the church is not changing the culture, because the culture will always affect the church, because that's the people who are around, that's the people who are influencing, right? If the cult, if the church is not infect in infiltrating the culture and affecting the culture and changing the culture, yeah, then the culture will have its ideology and change the church. Mm, you know, that's a really good observation. And I think it harkens back to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, when, uh, who was it that pleaded and said, okay, if you can, if I can find 50 men that haven't succumbed to this, uh, will you save it? God said, yes, if you can find 50 people, I'll save it. He couldn't find 50 people. If I find, what about 30 people? What about 10? What, what about one? Can I find one person? The corruption of that culture had so infiltrated every single person that there wasn't a single soul left to warrant God saving it. That's how thoroughly corrupt it was. Yeah, mm -hmm. that plays directly into what you're talking about, where it, it becomes that corrupted. I believe it was yeah. Abraham that yeah. uh, deleted. Yep. yep. I uh, thought it was Abraham's nephew. Lot? Yeah. Yeah, Lot. I thought it was Abraham. I'll take a look. Thanks, Joe. Researchers. Woo! <laughs> yeah. It's... Our, the culture matters. The culture will affect yeah. our thinking, our ideology. It's the people around us, mm. you know? Yeah. Yep. But going even further into this, right? Because we understand this topic, right? That Christians need to get involved. We've been saying that since from the beginning. <laughs> that's, yep. that's our verse. That's that's our verse to explain our entire show. Matthew 5.13. Yep. yep. Right. Salt and if light. Salt. Right. If the salt loses its saltiness, it will get trampled on underfoot. Mm. Yep. So we, we can't lose our saltiness and we need to get involved. We need to um, infiltrate culture. Yeah. So. Oh, Joe has just in, Joe has just finished. <laughs> what do you got? Genesis 18 and starting at 16, it was Abraham. Abraham. All right. Oh, okay. Nice. Thanks, Joe. Yep. Awesome. So. Going into this further, like taking a deeper look and going quite deep into this, is talking about that, first of all, I want to bring up the verse Matthew 28, 19 through 20, hmm. which we all know this, right? Go therefore and make disciples <laughs> of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yes. So yep. this is telling us to go out, go therefore, teaching to observe all mm. that I have commanded you. Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget, too, that that word disciple, make disciples of the nations. That's more than just evangelism. That is disciple is someone who follows a teacher, follows someone to the point of practically giving up their own life to just follow this person. That's a disciple. Discipleship is so, so much stronger than just a student who went to college and never talked to those professors ever again. Right. This is 
everything, your entire worldview, when you're discipled that way, when you are a disciple of Christ, when a nation is a disciple of Christ, that means that from the top down, as uh, a pastor uh, that uh, I go to a church here in, in South Dakota, Pastor Jonathan Hansen says all the time, from the mayor all the way down to the local dog catcher, you know, that's how prevalent uh, the Christian worldview should be in society. That's what it truly means to make a nation a disciple of Christ, right? It's so much deeper than just, oh, they've been personally, they know about Christ. They know the a basic limited version right. of the gospel. They know about the death and resurrection. That's but th- that's really all they need. No, no, no. This yeah. is so much more than that. Yeah, and and that's where we get to that small that that part of the passage which is saying teaching them to observe all mm. that I have commanded. Yes. And yes. again, that is all. And to which we go to another Bible passage which I don't have the exact reference, but Bruce has stated it multiple times, teaching the whole counsel of God mm, yep. and and not just a basic gospel, right? We can't be giving a basic gospel every single Sunday and yes. think that something's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And great point. It, I mean, that's like, I've given the example before, but it's like, um, when someone is a newborn, uh, it's someone is a new creature in Christ. They're a newborn Christian. And the purpose of the church is to help them go from a newborn to now being an adult, to growing and maturing in that, right? So they can go from drinking milk, the milk of the word, to eating meat. Their teeth have grown in. They're now able to chew the meat. They're able to understand more complex things. They grow, right? But what we're doing as a church is we're constantly telling people, you are born, you are born, you (laughs) you are born over and over and over again, as if they somehow don't know the basic limited, that limited version of the gospel that Christ died on the cross. And now uh, they don't even do the last bit. Now you're called to be a different person. And here's how you do that, right? That last bit is kind of just sanctification. Eh, Nah, right. Personally, on a cultural level, all of it, that last sanctification bit for an individual and for a culture is completely and entirely lacking. Yeah. And, and you, we, we look at this, Right. And this is why the churches are in the current state that they're in. Mm. Multiple churches are dying out. Yep. Or they're they're so infiltrated with the culture that yeah. they have liberal ideology. They're lukewarm. Yep. Yeah. And and you know, that's it they've lost their saltiness. Mm. Right? Yeah. It's really all I all I can say to that. But <laughs> even on. even more so I wanted to go even deeper into Matthew five seventeen through 19, which says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Mm. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Mm. Therefore, whoever lacks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Great verse. Yeah. Talking about that we need to teach all of the laws and commandments. Mm. Now, the the majority of pastors would say, well, I've done that. No, you've taught the Ten Commandments. <laughs> That's not all of the laws and the prophets. Yeah. yeah. There's so much more yes. in, in the Bible that we... 
that pastors just don't know. Gloss over. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and a huge part of that is learning how to apply all of Scripture to all of life. I think right. one of the best ways to break this down, like get into the specifics of, well, what do we mean by all of life? We're talking about the four governments here. Mm-hmm. As the individual for self-government, the Ten Commandments are your ultimate guide for self-governance, right? Governing yourself through the Holy Spirit the Ten Commandments, that's that's your model. That's what you're looking for, right? And that applies to all areas of life. But then you start to get more granular. Then you look at the family. Well, what does the Bible say about how the family should be run? What does the Bible say about the church? And all of those things build on each other. <clears throat> so the Ten Commandments definitely applies to the individual, the family, the church, and civil government. But all of those different governments have different parts of scripture that apply to them specifically. With the family, and we've talked about this in the past, with the family, it's education of children. I mean, that's vitally important, is that the next generation, talking about children as as the, the arrows in your quiver, right? Children yeah. are the most important thing for uh, covenantal succession, for looking towards the future. Looking at the church, well, it's the church's job to train up all of these people. You know, civil government, we've talked about, it has two main roles, defense of a nation, properly done, stipulated very strictly by the laws Jacob's talking about, and justice anymore, and they're overstepping their boundaries, which we would know if we studied these laws, right? <laughs> so, yeah, totally. That's that's what we're talking about when we talk about all of those laws, all of scripture for all of life. Yeah. Yeah, and we happen to be running a little bit close on time. Yeah, no so worries. About five minutes left. There, there are multiple other verses here. Uh, when I just want to list them out. Um, and you, as the audience, can go and look at these, read through them. And these are all talking about how, again, we as Christians, as the church, need to be involved in culture. And and a little bit more personally, right, we, we talk about a lot how the church isn't doing what it's supposed to do. The church is not teaching everyone correctly. The pastor is only teaching the milk of the word. So then, how does that relate to us personally as mm. As Christians, what do we do? Ooh, I like where this well, is going. Call the pastor to do to teach on something <laughs> a little bit more strict. Yeah. Or yeah. you yourself research the Bible and say, "Hey, pastor, what about this? Hey, what about this?" Yeah. Asking yeah. Or, him to either. Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Continue your thought. <laughs> yeah, and just pushing for that. Yes. Or leave that church and go to a better church. There it is. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and both of those I mean you have to ensure that your church is not willing to mm-hmm. to come to grips with reality and what the Bible says about culture right so take it to your pastor take it to your elders first go to them and say hey are you willing to preach on all of scripture for all of life from the pulpit or are you not and then based on that discussion I mean, obviously still keep in contact with them. That's important. Don't immediately cut off just because you disagree on that. We're still brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to remember that there's that brotherhood, right? But like what Jacob just said, it is vitally important that you are working with people for kingdom 
work. You cannot do this on your own. This type of kingdom growth that we see in scripture is not something you should be seeking to do by yourself. This is something you do right. with other people. When Christ sent the, 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 his disciples to go to all the cities around, right, around them, what did he say? He said, take someone else with you. They always went in pairs. They traveled with two, with groups of two, right? This is not something you do alone. And so joining another church that is preaching this, that is helping you grow as well, is vitally important. And if your church isn't willing to, you need to find a church that is. I wanted yeah. to make one question because I heard two different words that really stuck out to me. And I'd like y'all to define those yeah. for me. What's the difference between preaching and teaching? Ooh, good point. Jake, you got anything for that? Or do you want me to go? <laughs> um, well, I mean, teaching would be, to me, I, th I think would be a little bit more hands-on. And that teaching would be involved directly with either one or a small group of people. Um, and making sure that they understand the concept directly. Mm. Whereas preaching, I would say, is from a pulpit to a larger audience. Yes. And it's for making sure that the people understand, or yeah. as much as you can, making sure that they understand. But it's not as much as a direct training. Mm, personalized. Right, right. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much the same thing, um, that you know, teaching is is kind of uh, a one-on-one -on -one sort of deal or one-on-three, a smaller group of people where it's a little more personalized. So you'll ask them questions, specifically figure out, well, what is it you're struggling with? What do you not know? How can I help you personally grow? As opposed to preaching, I think is, is more of a, it's still personalized. And I think large churches with over like a thousand people, I think should be split into smaller churches, right? Um, because you at that point, you can't get very personalized. But Preaching is a little bit less personalized than teaching because at that point you're preaching to a large, large audience like what Jake just talked about. So real quick before I, I give my um, definitions. Got about one minute. <laughs> um, would the, uh, let's see, are you supposed, is the pastor supposed to be teaching from the pulpit then? Um, I think the pastor should be helping to equip the saints for their uh, for the week that's coming up. I mean, when uh, Doug Wilson would talk about you go to church to receive your marching orders for the week, right? You go to your church to uh, worship is warfare is a common phrase that they say is, you know, you are there to learn how to now on Monday, the very next day, how do you now start to build the kingdom of God? You're there to learn those sorts of things. And that's that's what we do on Sunday. We worship God. We learn from his word. We understand what is his will for this country. What is his will for us, our lives by reading his word. And we need a preacher who studies that the whole week. That's their job is to study the word of God and to deliver it to us, right? That's what they do all day. We need them now to teach us, help us to then go get our marching orders and on Monday, start growing the kingdom of God. All right. Does that answer your question? Kind of. I just wanted to give a quick definition on preaching from a book that I have called The Essential Bible Dictionary. Oh, interesting. And I'm not going to go into preaching and teaching, but preaching is the proclamation of the word of God as found in the Bible, calling sinners to be reconciled to him. Um, and there's um, Bible verses. Much of Jesus' ministries involved preaching the gospel the good news, 
of the kingdom of God, demanding the, demanding the heart, hearers repent and believe. In the preaching of the apostles, the focus is Christ himself as divine Lord and Redeemer. And there's so many Bible verses that are with that little paragraph that very cool. a lot. So actually, another thing that I was looking at is saying that preaching is not a word that's ever used in the Bible. Hmm. Uh, however, the the word most similarly translated, um, I don't know the exact, but the the first word uh, means to announce, proclaim, and make known, and the second word means to proclaim, announce. And proclaim the gospel. Hmm. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and with that, we are actually out of time. <laughs> but uh, this was really cool. Any uh, closing remarks from you guys? 30 seconds. All right. So, final thing. <laughs> Go ahead. I want to reiterate this just as a simple. Yep. And I wanted, I just wanted to say this again so everyone. Maybe if you were tuning out for the entire time, you only listen to this <laughs> end, you would get this. So, as I reiterate, if the church and its members do not impact the culture, mm. the culture will not hesitate to infiltrate and impact the church yes. and its members. Yep. You either change the culture or they're going to change you. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, thank you everyone so much for listening. Um, don't forget, go to trdshow.net. Um, send us a message through our website. We would love to hear from you. You can see us on multiple different platforms um, by going to that website. Also, send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. And remember, until then, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord. <laughs>